Undisciplined is a collaboration between African and African-American studies at the University of Arkansas and KUAF. The podcast provides a peek into the complex issues that affects our interconnected world. Taking the interdisciplinary approach of African and African-American studies to the classroom, into the community, onto the airwaves, and beyond. I am your host, Dr. Karee Banton, and for this sixth season, I have a new co-host, Carrie Nisia Connor. Let's get into it. another round of applause. And can I ask all three of the filmmakers to come back up to the stage, please? Mr. Justin Stewart. Michael Ely. Northwest Arkansas, Michael Ely. That's a compliment, by the way. And I would like to introduce our host for this talk back, KUAF's own and U of A professor, Dr. Karee Benton. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, color, color. Keep going, DJ. Color, color. <laughs> I like that. With all is ready, I throw this switch. Pump up the volume, pump up the volume. All right, thank you so much. How are you guys feeling tonight? I want to thank you all for coming out tonight for this event to celebrate not just Black History Month, but to celebrate these filmmakers who are adding to the African-American story collage in very interesting ways. Give it up for your filmmakers. As the host mentioned, I am Karee Banton. I'm the chair of the history department of the University of Arkansas. I'm the former director of the African and African American Studies program. And I'm the host of the Undisciplined podcast at KUAF. So I am very glad to be a part of this event um, and, and the ways in which it is bringing all these hidden stories to light. And that's where I want to start tonight, um, asking the filmmakers. Um, these, these films are all telling different kinds of African-American stories. And, you know, I want to ask you about storytelling. And where did you get that interest from in storytelling? 
We can start with you, Justin. Um, yeah, so storytelling for me, uh, I guess it began as I was a kid. I was always just imagining things and um, I was always, always had a creative mind, but uh, you know, like a lot of folks, they, uh, and a lot of people in, in the room tonight, you probably grew up going to church like every Sunday and every Wednesday night. That wasn't necessarily the situation for me. It was, um, we spent a lot of time going to the movies on Sunday afternoons or Saturdays. And I think that that's really where my creative spark came from because I had the opportunity to see a lot of really neat and fantastic things come to life on screen. And at some point I said, maybe I could do that. Wonderful, thank you. Um, so for me, storytelling began when I was a kid too. Um, my mother, she would take my little brother and I down to the library every Saturday. Um, they, they did story time for the kids and you know they had uh, people interacting, different stories. Um, and then just as I grew older, you know, I discovered I'm, I'm a visual person, so whenever somebody's telling a story, you know, I'm just, I'm so attentive to what they're saying and visualizing it happening in my head. Um, and so I just kind of went from there. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Storytelling started for me also as a young child in Southwest Arkansas, so my hometown is Louisville, and it started around either a barrel with a burning fire, beer cans, <laughs> um, parties, food, grilling, and just the, the gathering of family communing and coming together. And so um, through blues and music and all those things, and that's how we learned about the power of story and other people's stories and stories that have come about. Wonderful, thank you so much. I'm glad you mentioned you know, the blues and all these different ways in which African-Americans and black people all over have told their stories, you know, the multifaceted ways. And here you are as filmmakers and you're adding to that collage, right, of that um, African-American stories. And when the audience, um, you know, looked at your pictures just now, what it is that you want them to think about in terms of what you've created and the African-American story. We can start with you, Lakeisha. <laughs> that it's continuing to evolve. And there's a lot of hidden stories that are out there in just, I'll say the state of Arkansas. And I'm gonna keep honing in on Southwest Arkansas because that's an area that I don't think has truly been tapped into yet where there's a lot of stories that have evolved from out of there. So being able to have this opportunity to share a little nugget of my dad's story that I learned more about through the film that he rode a bus to an all-white school during this era and learned the power of art that he taught me. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, very humbling and beautiful opportunity to be able to share that story through film. Wonderful. Um, I'd like to piggyback off what you said um, with the fact that there are a lot of hidden stories and um, in a place like Little Rock where I come from, um, there are not a lot of opportunities for um, people of color to tell their stories. 
or have get access to the resources to learn how to do that. Um, so that's what kind of that's the kind of thing that like I focus on when it comes to storytelling is um, just showing people that you can tell your stories and um, they're just creating opportunities to be able to share that sort of knowledge with other people who don't have much access to those to those resources. Thank you. I'm going to piggyback one more again. Uh, it really comes down to uncovering all of these hidden gems that are out there. And um, for me, for example, I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, more specifically Bentonville, um, a black kid in a predominantly white community. And it was one of those things that when I stumbled upon this story, I was like, wait a minute, this has to be out. We gotta, we get, we gotta, we gotta tell this story in some way, shape, or form. Um, just because it's like, um, I feel a certain way about it now, especially present day, because it's just, frankly, our, it's like our stories are um, not being told the way they should be. And I've just, I've always had a problem with that, but really, especially now in present day, and. Like I said, I just see this as an opportunity um, to let the masses know. Wonderful, thank you. Um, you know, so you're uncovering all these hidden stories and you're telling all these stories that, you know, people tend to maybe not think about or give voice to. Uh, almost every semester in my courses, I show uh, the Chimamanda Adichie TED Talk called The Danger of a Single Story, right? And I show it because teaching black history, people come to it expecting a certain kind of story, right? And the beauty about what you all have shown tonight is that our stories are multifaceted, that they are you know, uh, a variety of different ways. It can be about art, it can be about resilience, or it can also be about skill, right? So can we reflect on those kinds of different things in terms of some of the big themes, family, relationships, skill, value, that your stories are kind of putting out there about African-Americans? Well, I think about that, and I'm one of those people, I'm a visual person. If I see it, I can do it, I can be it, I, be, I can become that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, when I was a kid growing up, everybody's familiar with the Cosby Show, right? There's Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable, right? Shoot, maybe I can be a doctor. And at one time, I thought I was going to be a doctor. And I was like, ah, well, OK, maybe I'm not that great at science. But <laughs> <laughs> I like science, but I'm not great at it. But the point I'm making is, is you know, hey, if, if, if we see it, we can be it. And, and I think that, that that's the, the message that I really want to stress to my daughters who are in the audience, my nephew, too. If y'all can see it, you can be it. So just do it. Okay. 
And you think Ralph Winkle tells us or shows us that, like putting that on so. screen? Um, because this this is the type of this is one of those stories that just no one really knew about. If you knew about it, you were kind of keeping it hidden, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for whatever reason, this story I don't want to. I'm not going to say that the story was hidden for um, any negative reason or say, I don't, I don't have any data to support that, but for whatever reason, this story just has not been told. And so when these two well, gentlemen- people might not deem it important because they might not deem black people important and what black people are doing as important exactly. might not be valued. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. And when Dr. Huggard and um, Jerry Moore came to me with this, I'm like, Guys, this is a no-brainer. We we have to we, we have to do this big in some way, shape, or form, and I and I hope that's I hope that's what we can do. Wonderful, thank you. Right. So, what are the big themes you think your your story is telling? Resilience, relationships. Yeah, definitely resilience, um, vulnerability, and. Um, like towards the end of the film, there was more dialogue. Um, so the main character, she went to go visit her mother and reconcile with her. And uh, I don't know, should I tell like what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she, she goes to go reconcile with her mother and um, she reveals that she's going back to school t um, for mental health counseling. And her mother's like, counseling? What, what do you need with counseling when you have the Lord on your side? And so, you know, that's a common thing that you hear in black families because um, they're not uh, too prone to seek mental health mm -hmm. um, help. So um, just that and redis her rediscovering herself and not being stuck in the same place that she's in. So healing generational traumas, you know, yes. a moving past, you know, um, this idea like, oh, that means for white people. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, and I, I, I'm, so is that one of the reasons why you wanted to put this on screen to influence us as a people to seek that kind of a therapy and to be vulnerable? Definitely, it, it wasn't my intention to begin with, but um, as I was writing it, I was going through my own therapy journey. And so um, just, just having it come out the way it did when I wrote it, um, I, I definitely really appreciated that <clears throat> that was put on my spirit to write it and share with other people because it is okay to seek help. Um, it is. You, you, you do have the option to keep things confidential so you don't have to, I know a lot of black people, they say, well, I don't want anybody else in my business. But, you know, for FYI, they have to keep uh, most things confidential. So, um, yes. yeah. <laughs> so I, I felt like that was a very important theme to, um, that, that I hope that people grasped. Mm -hmm. Are we being able to be more vulnerable with one another as black people, in your opinion, as a community? I'm sorry, ask that question again. Are we becoming, are we having the ability to be, be more vulnerable? Because, you know, I often tell my students, you know, when I give the black people the head nod on campus and they don't give it back, I get sad. 
<laughs> you know, like, acknowledge my what's up. <laughs> you know, stay black. <laughs> There's definitely that common understanding. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I see you, right? Yes. And, and I mean, sure, it's funny, but it's powerful, right? In terms of us seeing each other and acknowledging each other and that being the first step to be more vulnerable with each other as a community. Yeah, I think it helps us, you know, you know, when we say what's up, give the head nod, whatever, um, it just lets us know that, hey, we're here. Maybe I don't know you, yeah. but I support you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, absolutely. 100%, especially here in Northwest Arkansas. Especially here in Northwest Arkansas. I used to tell my friends when I first got here that I was following black people home from Walmart. <laughs> I'm like, this might be stalking, but I want to be your friend, and I don't know I mean, you. <laughs> it's like that sometimes. Yeah, it'd be it like is. that. What about you, Lakeisha? What are the big themes that you think your film are bringing out? Um, number one, mental health matters. Your mental health matters. Um, number two, that there are different outlets available to start the process. Um, the other piece that you'll probably kind of see, there's, like I said, there's hidden gems within the film. In the background, I don't know if you noticed someone that was sitting on a couch. There was our mother. She's the caregiver of my father. And sometimes caregivers feel like they don't have a voice or time, and, but they're always in the background and they're always there. And she was there. And you probably heard him even say, Barbara over there alone on her phone, she falling asleep. She was tired. And so calling out some of those things, but it does show resiliency, being vulnerable, um, being able to adapt to change, because he went back to his more comfortable hand that became his new dominant hand. He was right-handed before the stroke. And so, um, it also talked about connection, what you didn't see behind the scenes of her moments where he's maybe smiling. Nate Walls was sitting in a distance. So that camaraderie, that friendship, that connection. And then lastly, we was talking about Stacy because she was two doors down of just that family connection, but also another resource. And so um, there are multiple themes around just black families in general, because like you said, you know, you know, mental health is a stigma. I am one of those who's like, I ain't going to no counseling, and here I am with a therapeutic art studio with counseling. <laughs> but it's so powerful when we do choose to become vulnerable and to open up and start this process of our healing journey. Because when we break those cords, some generational chains and cords, we're creating opportunity for our next generation. Like I look at my son over there, and I'm hopefully, we're creating opportunity by breaking these old chains so that he can see that he is a champion of his sound. He can do anything he put his mind to. And so, yes. You know, with your film in particular, it reminded me of that book about the body and trauma, My Grandmother's Hands. You've, you've encountered it? 
The body keeps the score, yes. Were you able to, um, you know, I think about that book as, and I was, as I was watching the film and thinking about all the different ways in which you all are telling, again, black history through, in different ways, right? And for you in particular, uh, Lakeisha, right? Thinking about the body keeps the score and my grandmother's hands and thinking about um, Resma Menachem in, in that book, he says that a disdain for history sets us, sets us adrift and makes us victims of ignorance and denial. History lives in and through our bodies right now and in every moment. That is so true. Hence why you saw me do this activity called Champion and Sound, because I was tapping into his subconscious to allow him space to no longer think, but to just be mm -hmm. and to be present and for him to speak life into these cells within his body. And so if you notice, his hand started raising up. Mm -hmm. It's paralyzed. So that shows the power that if we start speaking life within ourselves, we can do anything. So I just keep telling daddy, you can do it, just keep talking to me. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's locked, it's trauma. Right. It is trauma that is stuck with him in certain parts because we've seen his hand move. But because of the trauma that has happened and just trauma of life. Right. So the image, so the artwork that you saw on that picture is the cornfield. And so that's what he used to pick, plus cotton, growing up. Well, actually, his is the um, cotton. I created a version called the cornfield because as me and my sister grew up with them, they took us to the cornfields. So it was a rendition of what he had to go through when he grew up in Southwest Arkansas. Wonderful, wow. Now, you all are teaching us through these different stories. What did these stories teach you about yourself? Was it a kind of therapy as Lakeisha was just referring to? What did you learn about who you are and how you fit into this world from the stories that you're trying to tell? still a learning process, but it's like, I never thought I could actually do this. I've, I've acted for a good while now, but I've always seen myself as just that, an actor, right? <laughs> um, and then finally, after just a little bit of encouragement uh, from my good buddy, Mike Day, he's somewhere in here. Um, we had a couple of heart-to-hearts about it and just started really thinking about this project and then thinking about Rock Van Winkle himself. And it just said, no, Justin, you, you can do this and you must do this, so just do it. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I think for me, um, my, my short film was a form of release because um, at the time I was going through several things and um, when 
when I was writing it, it just came out. Like I didn't have to work hard to, to get it out of my brain. Um, it just came out and then I, um, of course, did the revisions and that, you know, that doesn't take very long. Um, but usually it, it takes me a while to get an idea on a page, but I, I realized that that was the release that I needed to express um, the, the situations that I was dealing with and um, just being able to show other people that you don't have to stay stuck in the situation that you're in. So. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, for me through this film, it was just healing for me and my family. I mean, I'm gonna tell you now, we ain't perfect. We still are a work in progress, <laughs> just like art and life. And so brush strokes, we are painting and sometimes we need to change it up and paint and start all over again. But um, for me, going through this process of this film, I have to thank Obed LeMay, he's not here, but I just gotta thank him for capturing that moment of us. And um, for me, looking at that, it really does let me know that I am mighty by design and I can do anything that God <laughs> allows me to do. And so, um, this was my first, I guess what you call it, executive produced film. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm excited to be, you know, a part of this and be on stage with you all to even have this opportunity to just share a little nugget of what happens in that special studio on 392 East Sunbridge. Yeah, yeah thank you. So um, I think for someone in Northwest Arkansas, and in Arkansas in general, who through these films can put themselves in space and time, right? Um, through these characters and through these stories. And as I said earlier, it's, it's very important to tell these different kinds of stories. As I mentioned earlier, um, Chimamanda Adichie's uh, The Danger of a Single Story, she says that the single story creates stereotypes. And the problem with stereotypes is not that they aren't true, but they are incomplete. They make one story become the only story. So we are happy for you all to be telling all these different stories, but I want to, before we get to um, some comments and questions from the audience, for you to um, tell us, when your name is mentioned in the bright lights, when you, if your film is included in the historiography of American, African-American and Arkansian history, which other stories do you want it to be juxtaposed to or mention alongside? Any great biographies, Justin, that you can think about? Something to kind of compare it to, yeah. in a sense. It's funny you say that because when I, when I first started this project, it was brought to me. Jerry Moore calls me. He says, hey, I want you to read this thing that Dr. Huggard and I wrote. I read it. Cool, great. Fast forward a couple of weeks, talk to him again. He says, hey, I want to turn this into a play. 
like, all right, cool, we can do that. But I think we should turn it into a documentary. What if we turn it into something like Roots by Like Alex Roots? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to go that big, but hey, you never know. Hey, speak it into existence. You never know. <laughs> you know? If, yeah. Hey, look, if I don't try, it's not going to happen. So, yes. You yes. Know, let's let's just put the key in the ignition and you know, let's let's rock it to the wheels fall off. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so if I understand it correct, are you asking like I guess which other stories, African American stories, American stories would you want your film to be mentioned alongside? I have not thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, I think I really enjoy, um, like, as far as the cinematography and artistic side of things, um, I really enjoy Barry Jenkins' films. Okay. Um, I feel like his films are, like, very... Did you say Barry Jenkins? Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, his films are, um, they feel very sentimental and they, they, they highlight black stories and they just, they just show like a more vulnerable side and not like the, not like the, the totally traumatic side, but like the more sensual vulnerable side. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that, that would, I would hope my films would be at that level. Wonderful, yeah. I don't care who is sitting beside, long as it's being told. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Long as it's being told, hopefully we're creating good change. So yeah, that's, that's I'm just open to wherever it needs to be, it's on purpose. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Uh, unfortunately, um, we probably have just one minute just for just parting words from you guys. And unfortunately, we'll have to save the Q&A for another time because we've cut into time. Any parting words about your film that you'd like to leave with the audience? Um, thank you all for checking it out. Um, there's more to come. Uh, hopefully, we'll get back into production. I'm hoping later this spring to really uh, finalize everything. And then once it's done, um, hopefully we'll hit the film festival circuit. Just see what happens. Wonderful. Hoping to see you at the Pan-African Film Fest or... There hey. we go. There <laughs> we go. Um, I also want to say thank you all for tuning in and really engaging with the film. Heard a lot of laughs and amens and that's right. So <laughs> um, thank you all for relating to it and um, just understanding it. Yes, thank you all again for just coming out being a part of it, being with us on this film, to watch and engage. Um, our next steps is to get it into film festivals with the long goal is, I would like to have this in educational institutions so that people can learn from it and utilize it in the mental health and wellness and occupational therapy um, spaces. Wonderful, I think that's a wonderful note to leave on. Thank you so much, audience, for being so supportive. And thank you, filmmakers.
Thank you for listening to another riveting episode of Undisciplined. This episode was hosted by Karee Banton and Kynesia Connor. It was produced by Leah Grant. Undiscipline is a collaboration between the African African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas and KUAF. It is available every other Wednesday at KUAF on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the African and African American Studies Program and the Undisciplined Podcast on Instagram at UARK underscore AAST or visit KUAF.com to listen to all episodes. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate us.